0: Yo guys and welcome to episode four of the Caged in podcast. This week the Cotton Club 1984. This be obviously our fourth run in with the main man Nicholas Cage. This is his second time round being directed by his uncle Francis Ford Coppola. For those of you who don't know, Nicolas Cage's real name is Nicholas Coppola. Obviously. It's a weird family tree, check it out, Jason Swartzman's in there, obviously, Sofia Coppola, Roman Coppola, yeah, it's really interesting, you can check it out on Wikipedia and stuff like that. Um, before we get into the proceeds of things, I just want to talk about the social media, like, share with your friends guys, it's on uh, Facebook, Instagram and Twitter at CagedInPod or Facebook, the Caged in Podcast. Uh quest into insanity, I believe it is. Um and another thing is the Nicolas Cage DVD Amnesty that I'm doing. Yeah, I'm pretty sure plenty of you have got any old dusty unwanted DVDs on your bookshelf or DVD shelves or whatever you wanna call it. Like you might have a CD wallet that you've got all your DVDs in. Who knows? But yeah, any Nicolas Cage ones you got that you don't want anymore or you're happy to lend out in aid of this podcast tomorrow the twenty first of March I'm going to be uploading a photo of stuff I need stuff I've got so if you guys could have a look through that and hit me up obviously on all those uh on the social media or email me with yeah with the DVD you've got and any information on how we could hook up and get that sorted that's uh, occasioning pod at gmail dot com so yeah this week we're going to delve in deeper this is a two hour long film guys like I'm not as I said like I'm not messing about like I've posted on social media photos of the notes I take I take shit loads of notes like as I think I said in the last podcast this isn't just a podcast of me watching Nicolas Cage films for fun this is trying to see if this thing sends me insane, if obviously focusing all my attention on on one actor and their whole career will it affect me in any way as much as seeing the progression, the evolution maybe de-evolution of an actor see if there's a point where he loses his shit or I lose my shit we just don't know yeah so let's roll the theme music and after that we'll get into the ridiculous nature of Nicolas cage feels like i've been awake for days watch a film starring nicholas cage could be shit or it could be fun valley girl face off an army of one deadfall corner lord of war the wicker man trespass, and so many more know how it starts i don't know how it ends the first ten solo then it's me and some friends no distractions no expectations over the weeks hear my frustrations i guess the podcast is about to begin i'm your host petro placilavus and i'm caged in i couldn't think of a more horrible job if i wanted to and you have to do it. Hello and welcome guys. Um for those of you who haven't listened before, uh this is a podcast in which I, Petrius Patzilas, will watch every single Nicolas Cage film from start to finish. We started uh, a week or so ago with Valley Girl. We're now on to the fourth film which is the uh nineteen eighty four The Cotton Club. Uh this film stars uh Richard Gere, Diane Lane, Bob Hoskins, James Remmer and obviously Nicolas Cage. Uh, This is directed by Francis Ford Coppola. Uh, From the back of the DVD case, I've seen that uh, it was nominated for Golden Globes, Oscars, and won a BAFTA. So, I'm looking forward to it. Um, Yeah, I have a few rules in place. Obviously, I slightly broke it by reading the back of the DVD case. But no expectations. So, if I don't know anything about the film... I'm not going to look it up online, I'm not going to look at any reviews, I'm not going to look at any IMDb scores, I'm Not going to, no Rotten Tomatoes, no Metacritic, nothing. And the other one is no distractions. No phones, no iPads. I'm even going to ignore the phone if it rings. I'm going to ignore my front door if anyone knocks. Yeah, I'm just going to give myself fully to the film, take notes and rattle on. With these first ten, obviously it's going to be just me. And then after that, I'm going to get in some guests. I'm going to get people from other podcasts um, to come in and watch the film with me. These first ten are a punishment for taking on this task. This 70 plus film task of watching them all. I was going to do this weekly. As said in the last one, I've decided not to do that. Obviously, for logistical reasons, when the guests come on, it might then become weekly because trying to arrange people each week is probably easier than trying to bombard my life every day, trying to get people around to watch the films. But yeah, keeping that in mind for now, those first 10 is just me. Um, I've got a new little thing that I want to bring in which is cinema snacks so this week during the cotton club i just popped myself some popcorn i've gone for a little pre-mix sweet and salty flavor Help me get through the film i'm giving myself a little treat guys i feel like i deserve it for obviously all the hard work i'm putting in here as i said in the pre-intro thing this is a two hour long film so far we've probably done about five hours or so so and there's so many more hours to come so enough of this i'm gonna kick back feet up phone off and get raging with cage right guys before we get into this i've got to admit that i had a mid-film break but that's only because the dvd i bought off of ebay Fucking crashed on me. Like, there's no scene selection on this DVD. I had to start the film again. Fast forward to the point where I was at. Turns out, it happened again. So, I'm going to try and find it online. Watch it. The rest there. But yeah, I thought I'd be honest and admit that... I checked my phone, so... not going well so far. Four movies in and I've broken my own rules. Fuck's sake. Technical glitches over. And The Cotton Club has now been watched. So, yeah, got to the end of that one. That's number four. Checked off the list. Um, rundown of the film. So, the film opens. It's 1928 Harlem. And we're at the Bourneville Club, where we're introduced to Dutch, who is a mob boss sitting around with his cronies, goons, chatting. And there's a white trumpet player, which for this era, like, is very odd. And he's played by Richard Gere, who you find out his character's name is Dixie Dwyer, who's a charismatic, charming, just likeable character, really. Um, yeah, he goes. Out, he's called over because Dutch is really impressed with his trumpet playing. And um, you see his charismatic nature, like when he calls over a group of girls, calls over Vera, played by Diane Lane, who obviously throughout the film becomes a very key character. And in this exchange, um, a rival gang is intercut with earlier goings on. Uh, a rival gang throw in a stick of dynamite, to which Dixie saves Dutch's life. Which weirdly debts Dixie into becoming a employee to Dutch. In that gung ho, he's he wants to. Um, Dixie is called up from playing trumpet at the Bourneville Club the next night and taken to a party where he's offered $150 to play trumpet and piano. And as soon as he gets there, Vince is there. He said he's gone to Dutch and asked for a job. Also at the party, we have uh, Diane Lane's character, Vera, who is... um, called in by dutch as well to sing at the party and we quickly realise that dutch has an infatuation with her um yeah and reason for this party is bob hoskins character oni has called together dutch and the leader of a rival gang to squash the beef uh, it's the gang who obviously threw dynamite at him um But yeah, it doesn't go to plan as Dutch ends up stabbing the guy with a carving knife. It's fucking brutal. Uh, It's blood dripping from a chandelier. It's nuts. (laughs) Um, Yeah, so as things progress in the film, like there's a lot of filler scenes and stuff like that, but uh, Dixie ends up working for... A Dutch in the way of being a kind of minder for Vera who obviously he's taken a liking to and his job pretty much consists of taking her out so he just has to look after her he has to drive around, he's kind of his runner, he gets his laundry kind of treats him a bit like shit um, there's, a sub- there's like a subplot to this as well with a character called Sandman Williams and his brother Clay who are tap dancers Uh, this is kind of where the Cotton Club starts coming to play because early on in the film we see those guys have an audition for the Cotton Club which they get and um, yeah one of the next key scenes we see is kind of the characters coming together in that Um, Dixie Dwyer and his brother Vince take their mum to the Cotton Club we have the uh williams brothers performing at the cotton club we have dutch come in we have oni who owns the place who vince and dixie's mum remembers says he puts on a lot of stuff on broadway so yeah it's kind of got like a proto like goodfellas vibe to the film it's got that like godfather but one of the things I kept thinking was Bugsy Malone it just reminds me of like an adult Bugsy Malone there's tap dancing there's kind of borderline songs in the film in the way of like musical numbers and stuff like that but yeah going on with the plot with the Sandman Williams character we have this uh, relationship that he is infatuated by one of the singers at the Cotton Club, and he pursues her in the scene I mentioned a second ago, and the next day he takes he turns up to her church, because she says, come meet me at the church. Um, He just pulls her out, he says, let's get married, let's get married. It's... it's <laughs> You gotta get up to the guy for his Moxie really. Um But yeah, he ends up taking us to this place called the Hoofers Club, which has one of the best tap dance sequences. I haven't seen a lot of tap dancing sequences, but this is the best maybe dance sequence I've ever seen. It was great. Like I'd had a lot of fun watching this film, like it reminded me of a lot of stuff. But a lot of it in good ways. Like. At this point of the film. Like. I'm checking my notes. I wrote down a few times. Not a lot of Cage. We've had this problem before. Also. With a Francis Ford Coppola directed film. Maybe you saying. There's my, my nephew. He needs to chill. Fuck out a little bit. Not going to give him a lot of screen time. But that. Might change later on in the film. Don't want to give it away just yet. Um, yeah. So there's this dancing going at Hoofers club. As I said, it's great. And then after that, we next have a scene where Dixie takes Vera out under the instruction of Dutch. Um, really, not a weird scene, but like you see this tension between the two like they're being followed by one of dutch's goons and you can see dixie's frustrations that he doesn't want to work for dutch and it kind of bubbles up and they have a bit of a to-do kind of like a slapping match in the middle of the dance floor dancing really rough throwing each other about um But then the next scene, that all changes because they go to Dixie's and the sexual tension is at an all-time high. (laughs) And then they kiss. They kiss in silhouette. They kiss in moody lighting. They kiss with the lighting of the sun coming through crocheted curtains they're going for it guys they're loving it it's happened it's finally happened I know my thing it doesn't sound like a long time but a long time has passed in the film they finally the tension is broken after this Dixie has his way out of working for Dutch in the way of Orney asks him to be the man on the coast, which means taking care of the Hollywood, California side of the business, which I assume is like the racking business and any business, legitimate or otherwise, that Orni has in uh, that area. Obviously, this is set in New York, so... Yeah, but the way of doing that is... Dixie is offered to become an actor uh, in a film called The Mob Boss, uh, which brings about a really funny scene of producers, which I see as Francis Ford Coppola's kind of dig at the film industry, like a real light-hearted, fun moment in the middle of the film. We then have the Williams brothers Sandman and Clay having a falling out over... Sandman's ambitions to just... Always push his dancing and stuff like that... Ask for a solo at the Cotton Club... To which Clay isn't happy about and... They decide to part ways... He's like... If you're solo on the stage... You're solo in life... Like... You can forget it basically... It's from this point on that... The man of the hour... The man we've been waiting for... Ridiculous Nicolas Cage comes into play um we have a scene where dixie gets in a car with vince which says he has just a graze which we can see dixie can see is a flesh wound like a gun wound it turns out that he's been warring under the order of dutch against the black mob And then we're met with a montage sequence of sorts of Vince and his kind of sub-gang goons shooting up the uh, Bourneville Club and the proprietors. One of the guys who's involved in that is Lawrence Fishburne's character, uh, Bumpy, who is a member of the uh, Black Mob. And, yeah, the next scene involves the club and the Black Mob meeting up with a guy discussing how they could go all-out war, but they're just not ready for it. It was around this point in the film, like, kind of slightly lost interest a bit, kind of had one of those weird, like, newspaper flashing up on the screen lots of stuff happening montages and then the next thing you know we've jumped jumped ahead two years um dixie's been in hollywood making films and then all of a sudden it's 1930 in broadway and vera now owns her own club which the lady of sandman's affection is a singer. And because of the racial tension at the time that this is set, he's not even allowed to go see her perform. And, yeah, within the club, Dutch is called away because our main man, Nicolas Cage, who I have to take a second here, guys, because I thought it was maybe mid-90s Cage where he becomes a fucking maniac, like... I know uh, I know the 11th film on the list. We've got Vampire's Kiss, Witch of Sin. And he's fucking batshit crazy. No, he's always been batshit crazy, guys. Sorry to ruin it for you. But, yeah, there's a glint in his eye. There's something crazy about the guy. Like, <laughs> his performance in this is... I'm not going to say good. Like, it is. Like, he gives it. But, like... I don't know, I'm finding it hard now to kind of see him as his characters. I know that's probably bad, I know it might change, but I'm looking at so much by Nicolas Cage. Like, I find myself, when I'm not watching the films, kind of watching interviews and stuff like that. And I'm finding it hard to differentiate between the two, I must admit, guys. It's definitely around this point, though, that the film becomes very uh vince nick cage centric which i've been waiting for i must admit throughout the film um his kind of subplot that happens is yeah as i mentioned he comes around to the vera's club kind of throwing his weight about to dutch kind of saying like i want more money i want this i want that dutch ...doesn't take it too well... ...he has one of his like... ...head goons saw... ...take out... ...Vince's right hand man... ...and Vince ain't gonna let that slide... ...Vince... ...stages a... ...drive by... ...like... ...I'm not talking like... ...South Central... ...I'm talking sloppy guys... ...takes out kids... ...newspapers... ...flash up on the screen... Saying, baby killers wanted. It's obviously got Slick Rick, neck Cage's face up on the front of the cover. Vince then kidnaps uh, Oni's right-hand man, Frenchie. And uh, Dixie's asked if he knows anything about it by Oni. And he sent in, Dixie sent in to retrieve Frenchie with the ransom money. Um, which you get like a tender moment where... Dixie says to Vince, "Get out as soon as you can, because it's not going to end good for you." Oni and Frenchie are then uh, reunited, which um, brought me to one of my favourite scenes of the film of Frenchy smashing Oni's watch because he heard that the ransom money was five hundred dollars, and then on the hearing that it was fifty thousand, presents him with a brand new watch, which I thought was. A real funny moment in the film. The next scene we have is, sadly, the demise of our main man, Nick Cage. He's gunned down in a phone box in true gang fashion. Just, yeah, he's on the phone to Oni at the time his guys are sent in. Tommy guns at the ready. Bang. Gone. It's pretty similar to the Godfather scene at the toll booth um yeah just gun down and that's all we have for cage for the rest of the film folks now here's a story about minnie the moocher she was a red hot hoochie coocher she was the roughest, toughest rail, but Minnie had a heart as big as a hay Holy, 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 loved him though he was coheed. He took her down to Chinatown. He showed her how to kick the gong around. Showed her how to kick the gong around. Ho oh. It's 1932 in the Cotton Club and Dixie's back from Hollywood. He's big shit. He's getting shown to a table and this scene is kind of the Finale scene where everything of the film comes together We have Orni having a chat with the Italian mob We have Dutch there We have Vera there uh, We have Sandman performing on stage It's really where it all comes together There's a plan to whack Dutch And it kind of culminates in a argument between Vera and Dutch where she tells him he's got as much style as a bowl of turnips, and it eventually turns into a scuffle between him and Dixie, where Dutch pulls a gun on him, and out of nowhere, Sandman, with a flying, like, van dam kick, boots the gun out of his hand, out the window, and that's it, Dutch and his goons hoisted out of the club. And then we see a scene of Dutch and his men pissed, so, so pissed off, um, arguing and saying how they're gonna get their own back and stuff like that in a local bar, and that's when shit gets real, because Hector Salamanca from Breaking Bad, you know, the old guy in the wheelchair, check it out, he comes in, smokes every last one of the fools, fucking bing, bang, bong, dead, uh, <laughs> yeah there's uh the classic like tablecloth pulling down when Dutch gets killed um it's great and then to signify he's dead his hand just flops down on his side this brings me to the uh final scene of the film in which I'd say it's more like reminiscent of something out of the musical because It kind of has the cotton club with people dancing and dressed as people work at a train station, intercut with the train station, where it seems every character is having their different way out. So you have Ornie getting arrested, you have Dixie heading on his way back to Hollywood, in which he had asked Vera to go with him she had declined and said maybe we'll see each other someday and you have people dancing in the train station it's like these two scenes are coming together yeah as I said it's reminiscent of something out of a musical say Greece or something like that and we have Sandman getting married and as Dixie heads for the train Vera's there waiting for him with all her bags packed so she's decided that's it she's going to Hollywood with him the train pulls away, and that's the end of the film. Right. When it comes to my opinion on this film, I enjoyed it. Obviously, I had a midway hiccup with a fucking DVD crashed on me, but apart from that, yeah, it was, it was highly enjoyable. Not like not a hundred percent original, but then again, I haven't seen this in context when it came out, so it was obviously reminiscent of a lot of stuff that I've seen since that's in, that's since come out, and stuff like that, obviously I said Bugsy Malone's kind of got elements of the godfather, kind of feels like a lesser work from Francis Ford Coppola, but now to get on to the main attraction, Nicolas Cage, Nicolas Cage in this film, like Rumblefish, not a lot of him, so... I don't know, I don't feel like this is, the glo- Like I feel like the glory days, from what I know of Nicolas Cage, we're going to get that in the 90s, I'm finding this whole project quite hard on my own, just to talk for so long is, it's hard, so I'm very much looking forward to the 11th episode, where I'm going to start to have guests, and yeah, things might change up a little, like, not too much, um... I guess it's now a good time to get on to cage quotes. Free clips, no context, just pure unadulterated cage. Right, let's go in with the first one. What the hell is this? bugle boy meet jesse james what the hell are you doing i got a job i went up to the dutchman i said hey i am dixie Dwyer's brother he saved your ass you saved my ass you just walk up to the dutchman and ask him for a job yeah i went up to him i said i'm big here what do you have to do with this i'm a Vinny. uh two all right so what do you say wise guy i want to talk about any dutch we get shot up no one seems to give a shit that's part of the game all how right, what you mean. I'm talking real money, don't you mean We delivered half a Harlem here, for Christ's sake. Now, I want part of the numbers percentage, and I want it well, now. Number? Yeah, you me. out of your head, you crazy mick. What's the matter with you? Just because you can handle a gun, you think you're a boss? You're nuts, you know that? You're fucking nut. There's a million piece. guys out there willing to pull the trigger for me for free. I'll tell you what I'll do. I'll give you a raise. All right. A hundred a week. And uh, fifty for Pocky there. Is that Fair? Fair. You can take your hundred and you can shove it up your ass! (laughs) I'm free. Vinny! Jesus Christ almighty, Vincent. You have to conquer the world. You got an arsenal here. You got the money? I feel like these clips give a true representation of how mad he is, even at this early stage in his career. I'm looking forward to what we've got coming up next, guys. Um, next week, oh, let me check my notes. What film we've got coming up next? Might not be next week. It might be. It's actually my birthday on the 22nd of March, so I might not be recording another one this week. Um, so, yeah, uh, next week we have Birdie, also from 1984. Uh, looking forward to that one i'm looking really looking forward to number 11 because it means i can actually do this with other people and actually have a conversation about it as opposed to me sat in the dark going out of my mind just talking about nicholas cage even though i imagine that's part of what i set out to do see if this does send me loopy loo and (laughs) i kind of feel like it is slightly it's kind of taking over my life i'm checking reddit groups i'm reading watching loads of interviews on youtube with nicholas k trying to keep them in chronological order so only watching stuff really from the early 80s at the moment so yeah i can get an idea of context i might do a few special episodes kind of talking about just biographies and the guy guy is uh yeah biog on the guy just seeing what the fuck he's about you see in some of the interviews i've seen he seems pretty nuts really good one to check out is uh i saw it before i started this project it's like a 1992 i think um terry wogan interview it's fucking batshit crazy guys definitely check out that one out um, as the way of keeping up to date with the podcast uh, if you could subscribe rate and review on iTunes that would be great Um, you'd be able to find it just type in the Cajun podcast on uh, iTunes or the app on your phone or iPad or whatever Uh, also on Acast people who don't have iPhones stuff like that that's the Cajun pod again rate and review like yeah even if you've listened to the episodes on soundcloud before before i got them up on though uh please as mark has played like i imagine that goes to the data to those guys and kind of can pitch my podcast to where it needs to be i'd like to kind of maybe get on some of the um some of the charts like blue sky thinking here just try and get it out there as much as possible guys like i don't know this could be shit like (laughs) i could be deluded but i don't know I feel like it's going to be a fun journey. Um, Again, share on Facebook, Twitter and Instagram, guys. They're all at the Caged In pod. Um, Yeah, as I said, next episode, Birdie. Really looking forward to that. I'll just give you a rundown of where we're going after that. So we'll have episode five, Birdie. Episode six, The Boy in Blue. Episode seven, Peggy Sue Got Married. Episode eight, Raising Arizona. Episode nine, Thunderstruck. Uh Moonstruck, sorry, Thunderstruck. That's uh no, that's an ACDC song. and uh, number ten, never on a Tuesday. That's where I'm gonna get up to solo and then number eleven will be Vampire's Kiss, which I'm very much looking forward to. I'm yet to arrange guest, but when I know you'll know or I might keep it a secret. I don't know, I'll probably think it on social media. Um yeah. I'm going to put up uh, today, uh, I recorded half of this last night, half of this this morning, Uh, it's the 21st of March, I'm going to be putting up a photo of DVDs I need to complete the collection stuff that I found on eBay but it's way too expensive, so yeah, check that guys, obviously if you want to email as well it's cagedinpod at gmail.com, I've been Petrus Pat I've been Caged In, you've been rad. Catch you next time. Bye. This podcast is presented by the breadcrumbs collective home of the pod Charles Cinecast, caged in Copa connections, a drip telling limerie, Maine franchised and many more to come. Our shows are all presented ad free and made possible by listeners like you. Please support our shows by subscribing, leaving ratings and reviews and becoming patrons at Patreon.com. If you'd like to learn more about breadcrumbs, Head over to breadcrumbscollected.com. Breadcrumbs. It's more than a podcast network, it's family.